What's up, podcast listener? If you're sitting at your desk or riding in your car, know that today you're joining a family of basketball professionals who are trying to change other people's lives through the game that changed theirs. This podcast is going to take you along the journey of basketball entrepreneurs and how they make a living from the game that they love. If I say anything, anything that gives you value in this episode, please go to iTunes and leave me a top five, top five, top five review. And now let's get to the show. Everybody, I'm excited. I have Coach Damon Altizer. Am I pronouncing your last name correct? Yeah, man, that's perfect. Okay, I appreciate that. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Pretty, pretty good. So, what time does your day usually start around? I know kids get out of school. What three up in Virginia? Yeah, kids get out um, around three. That's usually that's kind of when the in the gym day starts. Um, so it's three or four until as late as as nine or ten, depending on know who wants to work out and like you said with parents like how long parents will let them stay in the gym um so that's, again that's kind of when the the gym day starts and then during the day is is scheduling and you know doing stuff like this and meetings and things along those lines um so it's uh you know it's definitely it's a full-time job where hours are definitely not nine to five what what do usually i think mike lee said this about 70%, maybe 60% is business, 40% training. Is that ratio the same for you? Definitely. Uh, and I think it's a lot of people overlook the, you know, the, the business side. And that's not just concentrating on, hey, am I making money? How am I making money? But there's a lot of scheduling, a lot of organizations, renting gyms, fi- you know, finding gym space. Um, I think that's a, that's a struggle that every skill trainer at any level goes through. Um, even guys who are you know, consistently doing pre-draft work is, hey, what gym am I going to be in next week? Do I have one consistently? Uh, so that, you know, that part of the business aspect is, it's just as much a challenge as, you know, kind of getting your name out there and getting players. Um, so, you know, if Mike said 60-40, I'm, I'm strongly in his corner if that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, Mike's pretty smart guy. So I want to go back, backtrack. I'm going to ask about the social media following, the gym rentals and all the other stuff. But how long ago was it what made you decide to become a basketball trainer? That's how I ask. Uh, it was kind of, it wasn't so much something that I decided as something that kind of fell into my lap. When I finished, uh, when I finished school, I actually had an engineering job. Um, and since I had walked on at UVA, several kids, parents had reached out and said, Hey, will you, you know, will you work with our kids? Um, and so I started working out with them. Uh, the engineering job was like 6 a.m. to 3 go straight to the gym and just kind of grew and grew uh, as a player. I had worked with, with like Gannon Baker and some of the guys who, you know, some of the first guys to do this. So when I really discovered that I had a passion for it, I reached back out to him, went to his, you know, went to his coaching clinic or uh, his trainer certification and through there met Micah Lancaster. Uh, so I worked pretty closely with Gannon and then with Micah for a couple of years, um, you know, all along, all the while knowing that I wanted it to be, be a full-time job. Um, and so I then I forget what the year was around 2011. Mike asked me if I wanted to move to Raleigh when he was still down there. Um, so I worked beside him for five or six months. Um, and then after that, it's pretty much been full time since there. So, you know, with a lot of guys, it's at one point it was a part time job. I was just grinding, 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 putting in a ton of hours. Um, and then since about 2013, it's been full time, uh, which is absolutely a blessing. Um, there are a lot of I forget what Micah said he thinks the percentage is, but there are a lot of people who try to do it full time and 
you know, things don't work out. But for me, I've been fortunate to to be around good people who put me in positions to, you know, meet other great people and opportunities have come from that. Uh, a lot of times when people ask me now, like, how do you make it full time? Um, you know, a lot of it is luck. Obviously, you work very hard to be to be good at what you're doing. Uh, but more than anything, is just is meeting good people who are willing are willing to help you. If I hadn't met the people who I'd met along the way, I could very easily have that same nine to five grind and be working out a few kids here on the side. Uh, but instead, in meeting those people, it's it's went the opposite direction. So with engineering, I'm assuming, man, that out the gate you're making a certain amount with an engineering degree. You, what were some of the struggles? Obviously, Gannon and Micah can help leverage anybody, right? But were there any struggles that you had that, you know, somebody would say, oh, you had it easy. Well, was it easy for you? Definitely not. Um, and that's that's the biggest thing. And no matter who you're working with, you, I mean, you have to meet people and you have to, you have to be good enough at what you do for people to want to pay you to work them out. Um, and again, obviously it's not about money and tell people over and over again, even now, you know, more kids work out for free than pay. But if you're going to do it full time, you have to be able to support your family with it. Um, you know, when I first moved to Raleigh, it was working as hard as I could to make sure I had enough money to pay the rent from month to month. Um, so that was basically, you know, a, a six month to a year process where it was, Hey, I've got to grind just to pay for my expenses. Um, I think patience is key and, you know, sticking to the process, just as trainers, we tell players, you have to understand the process and you're not going to be great in a day. Um, you're not going to go from not making the team to a starter overnight. Um, I think that's a great piece of advice for skill trainers as well. If you want to do this full time, you have to be patient. You're going to have to take your lumps. Um, things may seem like they're going great. And then all of a sudden you, you lose your gym space or, you know, some of your clients change school districts or whatever it may be. Um, but just like any job or just like a, when you're a player, you have to stick to that process. You have to trust in yourself, trust in your product. Um, and then at the same time, just, you know, have faith in what you're doing. So tell me about one of those lumps. Were you bleeding cash, not making money, client move? What happened with you? Uh, so one of the or an early lump there was we uh, my girlfriend at the time was in school at Duke. We we got engaged. We decided I proposed we were going to get married. Um, so at that time, you know, I'm like I just said, I'm trying to make enough money to pay my rent each month. Then all of a sudden now we're getting married and have to pay for pay for a wedding. Not going to be just paying for myself or somebody else. Uh, student loans are no joke, as everybody knows. And she's finishing up at Duke. <laughs> um, and so I it was a minor or a, a couple steps back is I had to step away from working with Micah and I actually went to work at, at hoop city U uh, where Micah had been when he was younger. Um, and so at the time it was, it was an extremely tough decision to make just because, you know, Micah and I'm possible were growing. Like you said, him and Gannon are, are huge names in skill development training. Um, so it was kind of where, before when it was just me, it was, Hey, I know this is going to work out. I know this is going to work out and having to make that decision to, I have to support not just myself, but my wife, um, or, you know, future wife and making that decision to at what the time, you know, at the time seemed like a couple steps back where I had been hopefully moving forward. Uh, you know, it was tough, and we, but you have to make that sacrifice because obviously family comes first. Um, and then in the long run, I mean, God works in mysterious ways. It, 
that connection led to other connections that led to where, where I am today and works in mysterious ways. And that's supposed to happen. But for that week, that two weeks where that decision was being made, those conversations were being had for one. And then, and then two, it seemed like in the opposite direction from where I wanted to go. So what, what were the sacrifices going from Micah to Hoop City U? Autonomy, um, going back to the 95, what was the sacrifice? Autonomy, um, as opposed to just doing training full-time, having other responsibilities within the facility, you know, scheduling, uh, working with who were, you know, being handed to you in or because they were on AAU teams and not so much kids who were seeking out training. Um, I think it's one of the great things about when I tell coaches all the time, our job can sometimes be easy because we work with the players who only want to come get extra work. So we work with the top 2%, 3%. That doesn't mean always mean they're the best players, but they're the ones who want to put in that extra work. Um, and so that's what it was like, you know, working with Micah and then and stepping into the facility, it's great staff, great people just signed up because camp online and there were more babysitting type camps um again more kids who were training because they were part of the facility as opposed to kids who were training had a basketball or get a college scholarship or whatever it may be um so i mean you hit it perfectly autonomy and education of the level of the players that you were working with um but there you know there are lessons there and in patience and working with different level kids and Again, everything happens for a reason. It made me, I feel like it made me better at what I do and working, being at the facility there for a year or so. Uh, when those decisions were being made, it was tough. So, okay. So you, and I'm assuming, I'm trying to think back at that time before you took the job, what were you doing? Like when you were making money, were you relying on word of mouth? Or was all the money you were making going back to rent? Or were you investing it back into flyers? I mean, what were you doing to try to grow it at that point? Yeah, at that time, um, I was I was investing some money back into flyers and things along those lines. Um, 2011, 2012, so nearly anything like it is now. Um, wasn't Even though it was just you know five years ago, Twitter wasn't what it is now. Uh, so there wasn't the opportunity to grow grow followings that way quite, quite as well as today. So I was, again, like you said, I was putting a lot of money just straight back into rent and relying most heavily on word of mouth as far as uh, how things were growing locally. Um, and it, I mean, that worked pretty well, especially with the local audience. If what you're doing, then his parents are probably going to tell somebody else on his team. Um, and then being in an area like Raleigh Durham where they're, are so many players that's right on Tobacco Road where basketball is, is so central. Again, it's just word of mouth is, is so valuable. Plus, people trust a lot more than they trust advertising, obviously. Right. Mouth. Um, mouth. Okay, so were you, were, you, were you putting these flyers in rec centers? Were you putting them in uh, just the hands of parents? Where were you trying to scatter these things out? And that's one thing, looking back, I should have done a much better job of is, 
you know, going to AAU tournaments, reaching out to and hey, can I set up a table? Can I set up a booth? And then just giving them to every parent who walks in. Um, so giving flyers, as bad as it sounds, it's almost like I was giving flyers to people I knew, and then hopefully they would people that they knew. Um, for a while, I did things like if you meant somebody else to work out, then you get a free workout, things along those lines. Um, biggest mistake was not being as proactive as I probably should have been in going to AAU tournaments, facilities, and saying, hey, you know, can I set up a booth? Can I, can I pay to be here for two hours? Things like that where the kids who come in through the tournament have been tremendously valuable, and it seems like people who do that regularity are very successful in, in generating clients and audience because they're just being visible. So much of it is just in any regard. If you just show up, that makes a huge difference, and that's something I should have done better was just show up where these kids and these players were. Right. So you know of trainers who have executed going to AAU tournaments, paying a fee to solicit and his work for them. You know, guys who've done that. I do. Um, it's obviously that's not a way that we're rich by doing that. You're not generating by doing that. Guys who, in say a certain organization, is hosting a tournament, and they say, "Hey, you know, I'll you guys with your teams for." free if I can come set up a booth it's kind of you know bargaining that way and trying to figure out provide value to you that you will then in turn provide value to me um, if there's a pre-existing relationship with an AAU team or a parent for a kid on one of those teams they're um, pretty receptive to that um, especially if if you have a reputation and a resume as, as being a quality trainer and their kids are going to get to work out for free, then that, that value is, is tremendous for them. So again, like value is provided for one and value is provided for two, and it makes sense for everybody involved. Okay. It was, uh, the connection was faulty a little bit there. And you, I guess just to recap, let me know if I'm right or wrong. You, you're saying you're suggesting to have a relationship with the director if possible, or the alternative is to know a parent, of an AAU team and get inside that way and possibly start making connections. Again, just, I mean, with the word of mouth, if you players on the AAU team, then the parent to go to the coach and say, Hey, this is, this is whoever good experience with him or her, with him or her, you know, here, I would just love to make that introduction for you. Um, mouth is so powerful. And if you do a good job and you treat the players and the parents well, then they're going to, they're going to tell people, you know, they're going to tell other people about you. Um, at Gannon's coaching clinic that he had said years ago, it's like, if somebody likes you, they'll tell, they'll tell one person if, you know, if you do a poor job, then they're going to tell, you know, two or three people just kind of kept that in mind forever. You know, if you try to, you try to treat everybody well and, a high major recruiter if it's a 10 year old who's just learning basketball they deserve your total investment they deserve all of your everything and helping them get to whatever their goal may be um that and you treat the parents you know with genuine with a genuine interest in their kid then they're going to tell other people um doesn't it doesn't matter 
quality of the training. Um, you know, if, if one trainer knows a little bit and another trainer knows a little bit more, but the relationship is stronger with the first one, then that's who the kids are going to want to work with every single day. That comes from treating kids and investing and pouring into them with all of your everything and helping them achieve their goals. Right. So do you think you've, um, better question, what was that? Tell me about the time that allowed you to leave your job and to actually, you know, in 2013 do it full time what happened there uh we pretty much um my wife and i just set a, a financial goal and said when you get to this point in a year then we'll take the jump um kind of a consequence of meeting meeting different people uh it's kind of fell into my lap over a two two year stretch where individual clients um Bigger was a lot of different camps. Uh, I went to Brazil several times um, for like very long stretches. You uh, go kind of going to Canada. There were just as my name, what I was doing, and more people saw my name and some word of mouth and people. Just more opportunities started coming. Um, again, uh, everything along those lines, and so when we hit when I hit that number for a year. He said, hey, we're, we're going to take the jump. Um, it was a leap of faith just because you don't know what's going to happen after that. And it, it's a constant grind, whether you've been doing this for years or 15 years. Um, but fortunately, things have continued to grow. Um, opportunities continue to come. And a good one. It was also very easy for me being younger, you know, not having kids. Start this when they're. 30 or 35 or 40. And it's, you know, it's more difficult. Um, I was at a position in my life where if things had not worked out, it went back to engineering job or whatever I would have liked to have done. Um, when I look back at, at my experience, I don't think that I did anything special um, easier than what some people do just because of what I could have fallen back on. It's um, my message to kids is wherever basketball is going to take, Take you if fine if your education is solid, you can always fall back on that. Um, you're discussing playing professionally, and if you get hurt, going to take you. It's a, it was a similar thing for me. Obviously, not playing professionally, but hey, if this doesn't work out in two years, I can go right back to making money. Um, so again, like I don't think that I did anything special, but it did take that leap of faith. And again, fortunately, it's been it's worked out well since then. Nice, nice. That's exciting because that's actually where I am right now. Like no kids, no, don't say no responsibilities, but just the worst case scenario. I think Tim Martin said this, man. He said the worst case scenario is you go back to square one. You go right. Right. Um, So he was big on that. No plan B idea, too. A lot of guys are, but some guys are more patient, slow game, um, have the job and slowly ease out. Uh, for, for for you, question for you that I'm interested in is your training style. Have you evolved as a trainer? And because right now you're like really energetic, you're really involved. Were you always like that, or did that come later? Yeah, so I has always been there. Uh, super super energetic and engaged. 
um, kind of been a thing since since my very first workout at a YMCA you know, years ago. Um, absolutely have involved though. You know, obviously you're always trying to continue. Um, know the game far better than what I did then. I was more of a when I first got started drills, and I would I would watch trainer after trainer, and are they you know can I do this drill? How can I incorporate this drill? How can I innovate and make this drill different? Um, and kind of as the years have progressed, I spend far less time and a whole lot more time watching players. Uh, I really like going to, to college practices and seeing what are players doing? Um, you know, how can I and the people who I'm talking with develop drills to, to work on what players are doing now? Um, I mean, you should always be learning. You should always be growing. Um, anybody who said that they haven't evolved since they first started, um, it's been so much of it has been, you know, knowledge of the game and, intensity has always been there I, I do like um especially with the younger kids just interested and excited you know that's a huge key especially in today's age where everything is instant gratification and instagram twitter facebook everything is a click away it's difficult to reach kids in that 18 year old age range if you you're going to do the same four things every single time trying to really hammer in and hone in on the, you know, the extremely important skills and fundamentals while finding fun and innovative ways to, to teach those and incorporate those so that they are excited about training. Um, I think that's, that's key with the generation today. And kind of going back the the biggest part of the evolution is, is, you know, learning the game better and better, spending less time watching trainers and more time trying to watch, you know, be around college coaches and, talk with very successful high school coaches watching breaking down game film more and more uh, than I, you know, than I ever have before. And then, uh, you know, learning what players are doing and then trying to on a kid's skill set and biomechanics and all those things, the kids game or, you know, young players games. Um, uh, and I you know obviously working with college guys and pro guys is a little bit different because they need to be great. Um, and, you know, a lot, a lot of, especially like division one guys, if you spend an entire summer adding 10 new things to their game and you don't spend any time focusing on their strengths, that's probably not what they need. But even at that level, trying to keep them very excited about getting in the gym um, is just, it's huge for me. That's interesting. So you, um, that is a weird question. Do you like stretch or anything before because I mean, you are really active from what i've seen on instagram and some of the videos is like do you, do you <laughs> mentally prepare do you physically prepare before the workouts because that's a long time to be that energetic for you know six hours five six hours i usually try to stretch um, um i try to be strategic in in scheduling workouts too where usually younger players are first and then college guys go later on because as you know it's not it's not as physically demanding guard or a 13 or 14 year old as it is with a whatever college guy at 21 22 um evolution is try to be smarter than you know i was when i was younger as far as taking care of my body stretching um 
lifting regularly, things like that, because it is it is a physically demanding job. You just said that you could be on court for five or six straight hours. It's a long time to be up and moving around, working out, trying to eat right, staying hydrated. Basically, the things that we tell kids every single day or take our own advice are things that as I've gotten older, I really try to and make sure that I stay in, in good shape and can maintain that level of energy and enthusiasm as, as long as possible. Okay. Okay. I, I was worried about that too, man. Cause uh, you, yeah. <laughs> um, one thing, one thing for me, I think it's breaking up a little bit. If you um, exit out and then come back in, hopefully the connection will be a little bit stronger. Just exit out the hangout. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind. One moment, everybody. Gotcha. All right. Sorry about that. I don't know what's up. No, that's no problem. So uh, I want to ask about your social media following. Throughout this entire time, I mean, I forgot when that Instagram came into the picture, maybe 13, 13, 14-ish. Um how you have a lot of followers now about I think 40 40,000 followers and what have you seen has been what have you seen that's been the most popular type of post or has gotten you to that big of a following with only 700 posts um I think anything that's real that's that is quality uh people I mean people like NBA breakdowns people like ball handling um I think, and then obviously this is something where, like you just said, with 700 posts, I don't do a very good job of is is posting two to three times a day. I think people who are constantly providing that content um, are able to grow their followings, you know, much much more quickly um, than than those of us who who don't. Uh, I think you said you'd interviewed Ben Tier. He does a, just an incredible job of. I mean, he updates his story like every hour, and he always puts out new videos, and then has went from whatever, like 20,000 to 60,000 or whatever, just it seems like in a matter of months. Um, and then you see, you see uh, his videos and uh, he's not, he's not doing anything crazy or having editing crews come do his videos. He's just, it's quality content that kids see his drills and they think, Oh man, this is, this is good stuff. Um, Tyler's the same way, you know, puts out tons of content that the kids can see a drill and then they can go try to do it on their own. Um, I think, you know, just providing that content similar to where when you're in the gym with players, investing, investing in them, Instagram is very similar, except for where kids that it's with kids or players that you may not see is the more content you can provide. It seems like the quicker followings grow. Uh, Paul Easton drills and skills is another one um, who just, he had told me one time he tries to post three or four times a day. And again, there's, there's nothing crazy. There's nothing wild. He's not, trying to reinvent basketball. He can teach simple jab steps, but he, he does it well and kids and coaches learn from it. Um, and then, then from that they follow, it's just, they put out a lot a large quantity of content and then it's very, very high quality in what's being taught. And from that, it seems that the following seem to come. Um, and they're obviously like Tyler and Ben and, and Paul, uh, DJ Sackman, all these guys, their followings just grow because of, quantity and quality of the content they're putting out. Now, are you editing your own videos still? Uh, so I edit some of mine. Um, 
usually the ones that are more poorly edited are the ones that I do. Uh, and then my, <laughs> my brother is actually a photographer and videographer. Um, and so ones that are professional, that look very professional, he, he videos most everything. Um, and then sometimes if something looks really well put together, then it's one that he's edited ones where there's like messed up transitions and it might go to black for a second. Those are usually the ones that I, I try my hand at. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I went to school for communication for videography and uh, the last, the last year we really focused in on that stuff. And what I realized is you know, a lot of guys like to go into Adobe or Final Cut or iMovie, but just the time it takes to do that stuff and to make it look how you want to, even if I did know how to do it, I don't think I would want to because of right. the time they do it. Um, but I mean, Tyler, Tyler has people that he, I'm, I'm sure I've seen him with a lot, at least in, at least nice equipment, but he has right, a crew right. asked him when I interviewed him, but he has a crew with him, doesn't he? Right. Yeah. A lot of times he'll have, he'll have guys come, um, which is so helpful. <laughs> Uh, that's what I mean, it's so um, it's such a blessing with with my brother doing doing what he does um, to be able to call somebody up and they come they come do it for you, uh, which get you know I have even more respect for guys like Ben who you know sometimes he looks like he's doing his own with his cell phone. Um, I mean that's just that's that's a real grind. Um, yeah. and it just adds another element to what he's doing because he has to prepare for for the workouts and then film and then edit. Um, you know, just tremendous respect for him to be to be putting all that time in doing it the way he's doing it. For sure. And you, um, what was the next question that I was going to ask? Oh, for for the following, uh, I know you had maybe two or three online products. With that, what has that experience been like for you? And I mean, you have a following enough to put something out there, which I think the main reason to have a following is. One for brand affiliations, yeah, but also if you want to sell an online product, I mean, what's your experience been with that? Um, it's been good. It uh, more so than than Instagram and Facebook and things like that. Uh, I try to you know develop a mailing list and continue to grow that, uh, and e- you know send emails to that. You know, a couple times a week where it's more so a relationship email. I'm sending you know advice to kids and it's I'm speaking directly to to you as opposed to newsletters I'm not talking about myself in in third person um I try to send out these letters you know these when I send out emails it's something just like a text message that I would send to to clients that I see every day uh with hey you know here's here's a way that you can break down the NBA you know the game tonight here's a pdf where you can chart some different things here are some videos on Instagram sometimes mine sometimes other people's um and so in doing that, you know, that's kind of been the strength of where, you know, leads have come for online, online programs and online products, uh, obviously promote them a little bit on, on Instagram and things like that as well. Um, but it's, you know, it's a great experience in doing that, uh, just because you can help players who you, you wouldn't normally see. Um, and in all mine, I try to have feedback where they can email directly to me and they can ask questions and try to, you know, try to do a good job with my products where it's not just putting a ton of videos out. Hey, go do these drills, giving them, you know, diagramming all the drills so they can print that out, putting workout logs and progress charts so they can see if they're improving chart makes misses things along those lines. Um, but it's, 
you know, it's fun. And then in knowing where I started, you know, five or six years ago, it's, you know, it's, it's humbling sometimes when a kid from, you know, a different country hits you up and say, Hey, I just finished, you know, point guard Academy or whatever. And, you know, I got better, uh, to know it literally started with one kid in a gym going twice a week, um, to now kids all over the world are, are using these products. It's, it's exciting. Um, and it, it's kind of fun to look back and see again where it started to where it is now. And hopefully it'll continue, you know, to continue to grow from here. So the question, I'm trying to wait for this one, but I'm really curious, man, how did you hook up with Tyler? You got with Gannon, Micah, and then Tyler comes along. Along, How did that happen? Yeah. So we, uh, so Tyler was working with Gannon as well there for, for a year or so. Um, and at the coaches clinic that I went to, Gannon was, or uh, Tyler was there. Um, and he, he did some of the demonstrations and some of the teaching. And we ended up sitting beside each other on the bus back to the hotel. And we were talking and he is, he's from New York. He went to McQuaid. Um, and one of my college teammates was one of his high school teammates. Uh, one of the guys who used to work him out in high school as a high school coach here in Charlottesville near me and is one of my, you know, one of my best friends in the world. Um, so we kind of made that connection. And so for like two or three years, we would just, you know, periodically text, get on a phone call, catch up. Um, and then a group wanted both brought both of us in to do a clinic in Texas together. Uh, and afterwards we were just kind of like our, you know, our synergy was just, was just out of this world when we worked together because we were both, very, very energetic, um, teach a lot of, in a lot of the same ways, you know, kind of energy was the same way methods of teaching, believe in innovative methods, but not, you know, not getting too crazy with it. Um, similar, you know, similar backgrounds and, you know, how we worked when we were younger. Um, so we just kind of started and, you know, kind of started talking from there and, you know, eventually, eventually we're like, man, we need to, we always talk about team and brotherhood and family like that's what we need to do we need to create something that's beyond beyond just ourselves um and from that you know from that driven developed and you know it's it's great because again it's it's a family um we talk you know obviously we have business discussions but conversations always begin with you know how you know how are your kids doing how you know how are these things um it's it's, just, it's been a wonderful partnership um partly because of how Know, how we became like brothers because of synergy on the basketball court, not because we said, Hey, how much money do you make? How much money do you make? Let's see if we can make more. It was, it was totally out of synergy on the court. Um, and just like two teammates bonding. It was like, we came together and said, we are so much on the same page. We need to do this under the same, under the same brand. Um, and, and from that, you know, driven was created. Okay. So man, where I go, a lot of trainers want to do their own thing. Right. I think ego is getting in the way of a lot of positive outcomes with, with basketball trainers. What have you, has there been a time where you felt like you've compromised or you had to give up something that you didn't want to in order to be a part of the team? Um, not really. I don't think so. Or at least not with what we have with driven. Um, I think you, you hit the nail on the head where with, with skilled trainers, ego can be, you know, such a, a huge, a huge part of it. Um, and I was talking with Hargrave Military Academy is here in Virginia year after year. It's, you know, they're national champions on the post-grad level. And I was talking to one of their coaches who, 
who does some workouts and we were just kind of talking about the, you know, the, the nature of and the era of skill trainers, because I mean, obviously 10 years ago, there weren't as many as there are now. Um, and, and he was saying, he was like, you know, there are, there are no checks and balances for skill trainers. Um, for coaches, if, if your team doesn't do well, you're going to lose your job. Um, with so many times with skill trainers, I'm sure you've experienced it as well. If, if Johnny doesn't, doesn't play like he, he should, then what was the coach's fault? He didn't utilize them correctly. Um, so many skill trainers, they tell, they tell mom and dad, whatever they want to hear, because that means that a check is going to come in week after week after week. Um, and where, you know, strength and conditioning is very, very data driven. If kids aren't getting stronger, the numbers reflect that. If, in college coaching, even high school coaching, if, if you're not winning games, if, if players are unhappy, that's going to be very, very obvious. Um, but in skill training, there aren't necessarily those checks and balances. And so it makes it very easy to, to always point fingers elsewhere. Um, and I think if you, when you jump on social media, rarely do you see, uh, you know, rarely do you see skill trainers saying we, we, you know, we worked on the wrong things, but if, you know, if Duke or Carolina loses, 90% of the time, Coach K or, you know, Roy Williams say, I didn't have the guys prepared. Um, and I think as a whole, you know, we as skill trainers can do a better job of self-assessing and saying, hey, like sometimes we did work on the wrong things. Sometimes I didn't do, you know, I didn't do as good a job as I should have. Maybe this player relates better to a different trainer and I should then suggest them to go there. Um, but again, without without a checks and balances system, it's, I think it's very easy for for ego to get in the way and you know prevent you know at the end of the day, I think it prevents kids from developing like they can if if the trainer is being driven driven by ego and not pure servanthood and helping the player develop. Man, uh, I was going to ask you know, how are you and Tyler are different, but you know, like you said, with training, you guys really aren't Tyler's laid back on the phone you're laid back on the phone too you guys seem more similar than i thought initially um i didn't ask him this question and i think i know what his answer would be but for yours did you have or do you have any kind of limiting beliefs that you had to get over that you had to kind of rewire your thinking with um before you kind of took off or had success as far as like for training or for business, um, yeah, with, with business, like I asked Colin Costello, I asked him the same question and he, um, you know, sometimes even still today, he's like, yo, I, I walked on at Washington, you know, I didn't play at the highest level, but yet I, I'm here. I'm number two in the basketball training industry on YouTube. And I asked him like, does that fact that he, you know, didn't play, at that level, does it get in the way of his mindset of his actions? And he said it did a little bit, but that's where I'm coming from with the question for you. Were there yeah. any beliefs? Yeah, I think absolutely early on there were the, you know, the, the misconceptions on my part because, you know, walked on at UVA and you see some of these guys who, some guys who were doing training who, you know, were high major stars. I mean, like Tyler, it's extremely highly recruited, you know, top 50 player nationally. Um, so originally it was when I went to Gannon's coaching clinic that year and Tyler taught and they gave his resume. I was kind of like, how am I ever going to be able to step foot on the court with guys like this? Um, who's, you know, who's playing resume is, is so much stronger. Um, and I mean, it, it kind of is what it is and that, that does add some to it, you know, initially, because if, 
you have somebody who worked in the NBA and then some or played in the NBA and somebody who did not, you know, didn't even play in college. It's obviously who parents and kids are going to go to initially. Um, but I think like we, we touched on earlier, having faith in what you do and faith in what your product and not getting caught up in outside distractions and staying true to your course is going to help you expand what you're able to do as you continue to grow, become, you become more of a professional in what you do as you get, you know, you get smarter, you get more experienced, you gain knowledge, both as a trainer and from a business perspective. And if you stay true to that course, then, you know, like Colin said with him, you can go from, from his playing situation to be in the, you know, the second biggest or second most sought out trainer on YouTube. Um, and I mean, you read through the comments on his videos and I'm sure there are very few, if any kids saying, well, you didn't play at a high level or you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Um, he's very, very good at what he does. He helps players become great shooters at any level. And because of the product he provides and the results that players are getting and the value that he's providing, you know, players seek him out and he's extremely sought after because of what he provides. Um, I tweeted yesterday, I forget exactly how it was, something like it's of of little importance what you can do, um, less importance what you did, and of the utmost importance what you can teach. Um, and I really believe that with trainers. It's it's what you can teach and what you can provide provide the kids you're working with um, that's going to help you sustain and help you grow while your playing resume help, may help you get started, and that may be your you know, initial foundation. Um, if you're not growing and becoming better outside of that, then your business is gonna eventually going to crumble. But if you keep growing, getting better, um, then your business is going to grow. And Tyler's great at what he does because he, he goes to or talks to a ton of college coaches. He breaks down pro footage, college footage. Um, he's constantly talking with other coaches. He was a high major recruit and a high major player, but that's not what makes him a great trainer. Being a, a student of life and a student of the game and <clears throat> excuse me, constantly growing has gotten him to the point where he is now. Um, I think, you know, again, like the, it may help at the beginning, but it's not going to help you get to the finish if you're not growing along the way. That's a good point. So the best teachers usually do do well, not just the trainers. I mean, you've right. probably seen a lot of good hoopers who just can't, who can't really teach that well, who can't communicate in front of a camera, who can't post their own stuff from social media. I'm sure there's right. plenty. Absolutely. Still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I think, man, um, last last question that I have, if you were talking to a trainer, getting started, and you had one – I think you already kind of went on went over this. It can be the same answer, but you had one suggestion for them in terms of, you know, launching their business or growing their business. What would you tell them to do? Um, if they're right on the edge, kind of like how you were, man, like get, trying to make rent in that first year, second year stage and wanting to leave their job. What's that one thing you would tell them to do that can help them make that leap or, or get to that next level? Uh, just simply keep the faith and fully and genuinely invest in each and every individual with, with whom you interact. Um, <clears throat> as simple as that sounds, I mean, keep the faith that faith is everything, right? And it's not something you can see. It's not something you can know, but you have to have faith in yourself. Um, and then if you, you know, fully investing in, in people that obviously that goes far deeper than just being nice to them, that encompasses always growing, always getting better. If, 
if you were a 14 year old player and I'm going to fully invest in you as a player, then I need to know your strengths, your weaknesses, what your goals are, you know, how, how I can relate to you, um, what other workouts you're doing. So fully investing goes far beyond just, again, being nice, smiling and, you know, shaking hands with the parents. Fully investing means knowing everything you can and growing, growing yourself as a trainer in regards to each and every individual client you may have. Um, so keeping the faith and fully investing and then, then everything else will follow suit. Yeah. And I mean, now's a good time, right? Well, maybe June is just a good time, right? Cause it's summer is coming around and right. Um, yeah. I mean, do you have any, any big plans this summer coming? Do you have any? any uh, so we, uh, obviously summers are like you just said, super busy. Um, as far as, you know, personal training, kids are out of school. I host a, uh, an overnight camp, an invita- invitation-only overnight camp every summer for 30 kids. Um, last year, there were kids from 15 states and five countries. This year will be similar. Um, it's it's leadership, it's mentality, it's on-court skill work. Uh, so it's players come from all over the country, coaches come from all over the country. It's it's a very limited, select you know number of kids, and they apply, and they, it's not send me your highlights, send me your stats. It's how are you going to benefit other kids in attendance at the camp? Um, what are your experiences leadership wise? So um, I kind of tell everybody with most camps, there are those two or three kids that always stand out because they're, you know, they're so selfless and they jump to the front of the lines to demonstrate. Um, and the way this one is structured, it's, it's like we have 30 of those kids. Um, and then coaches who are kind of all, all bought into, to what it's about. So it's, we, I mean, we spend just as much time working on leadership and communication as we do on court skill work and we do film breakdowns and, you know, team building exercises. Uh, so it's, it's a fun week. That's kind of the, the biggest thing that I, you know, that I do all summer. Um, and then obviously like one and two day camps throughout the summer, a ton of personal training and, you know, just a lot of, a lot of hours in the gym. Man, where are you? Where are you hosting this? Like a church or with a gym? Or- uh, so there's a, a boarding school um, here in Virginia that it has. They're like four courts and an auditorium and pool and tennis courts and weight room and all that stuff. Um, so it works out super well because it's basically like holding it on a small college, uh, you know, a small college campus. Obviously, if you have all you're doing all that stuff and kids are there overnight, it'd be difficult to have them in hotels or anything like that. Um, so yeah, man, it's it's fun. You should come down. Hey, man, all right, I got this thing on the court. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember you said that they got a Prius too, like Jordan Lawley has, and I can there you go. Put- there you go. <laughs> hey, yeah, I definitely will ask you some some details, man. If you're serious about that, I I would definitely like to to visit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm 100 percent serious. Writing that down there, man. Hey, is there um any anywhere else that people that you would want them to to meet with you or to inquire more about you? Instagram, email. Uh, what are those handles? Yeah, Instagram is great. Um, that's just Damon underscore Altizer. Um, Twitter is is just at Damon Altizer. You know, it, anything is fine. I try to try to get back as quickly as possible um, to, to any inquiries or anything along those lines. Um, but yeah. Any, any medium is just as good as the other. Okay. Coach, man, I appreciate your time and the the knowledge that you share with everybody. I'm sure that they're going to uh, like this. They were excited about you coming on and Tyler spoke highly. Uh, I told you Sean Hardiman spoke highly too. So thanks for the time, man. 
Absolutely, man. I appreciate you and, you know, everything that you're doing for, for skill guys and for the, you know, the grassroots basketball community. Thanks for tuning in to Basketball to Business Podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and follow me on Instagram and Snapchat at my son Jones. And if you are not like me and don't need to burn all bridges, quit your day job and only bank on a plan A, and you want to make some money on the side by doing basketball training, check out www.hoopsinstitute.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial. Until next time, and remember, you are not alone in your journey to reach your dreams.